This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Thank you very much. Kindly be seated. And you, of course, know that your pastor is a very bold man. And uh, we, we hope the dates will work out well and uh, we'll be able to be here for uh, 1st of October. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I believe that God is raising up his people in this time, in this generation, in a very unique way. It's a totally different approach to how ministry is done. And I think that your ministry is in that space at the moment and, and providing direction and pioneering it. And we pray that God's grace will abound towards you uh, as, as you expand the frontiers of the church beyond the church. And... Uh, there's so much that needs to be done by us, especially on this continent, uh, to, to influence our nations for the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, last night I started speaking on the works of man and the acts of God, that there are things we do that precipitate the acts of God. There are things that God has intended to do and intends to do, but will not do until we take a step or until we act. And we looked at the story of Joshua and his battle with the Amorites in Joshua chapter 10. And we will go back to Joshua chapter 10 to that same passage. It's one of those very unusual passages in the Bible, sometimes a bit confusing, uh, a bit difficult to rightly interpret uh, because of the narrative of that portion of scripture. Uh, Joshua chapter 10, verse from verse 11, and it happened, everybody say it happened, all right, it happened, so this is a historical event. It happened. As they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with a sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, 
and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. There are two main stages to the battle from what I started recounting yesterday. There is a human stage and there is a divine stage. And the human stage is when the children of Israel walked through the night from Gilgal right up to where the battle is taking place. And they go through the night. They walk through the night. And they appear suddenly and start to fight. So that's human. Human effort through the night. Walking through the night. Laboring through the night. Believing through the night. Moving through the night. And when you move in the night, you don't see your way clear. And you're not really sure whether you're making progress or not making progress. In the daytime, it's easy to know when you're making progress because you can see landmarks that tell you you've moved from one place to the other. But in darkness, you cannot tell whether you're making progress or not. The children of Israel walk through the night and suddenly they were upon the enemy. That's the human factor. But the second stage of the battle is a divine factor. God sends hailstones upon the people. And so there, there are two things happening. The Israel is using the sword to fight. God is using hailstones to fight. But both are happening at the same time. The sword and the hailstones are deployed in battle. So that goes on for a while. But something is happening. It's getting dark or it's getting late. And the battle is not concluded. So Joshua has at the most about 12 hours. Now if you read the narrative of the passage well, he starts this battle at the break of day. So probably around dawn. And that's when the battle starts. Now if you start fighting from dawn till uh, the end of the day, that's about, let's say, 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the evening, you have about 12 hours to work the day. So he's fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and this thing is progressing through the day. And Joshua discerns that he would not have enough daylight before nighttime comes again for him to finish the assignment. So Joshua did something very interesting because God had promised him in verse 8 before the battle that he would give all his enemies into his hand and none of them shall escape. But by this time Joshua realizes this prophecy may not be fulfilled. Some people will escape because it will be night time again. So Verse 12 is where I'm focusing my attention. 
Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. I will try to unpack this verse. The first thing I want you to note, it says Joshua spoke to the Lord. Joshua spoke to the Lord. Everybody say Joshua spoke to the Lord. Now normally when a person speaks to the Lord, they are praying. So Joshua spoke to the Lord simply means Joshua prayed. So somewhere in the middle of this battle, Joshua started praying. But he prayed in, in, in a way that the people had him praying. Because he spoke to the Lord. So in my imagination, he's probably fighting with his sword and praying at the same time. And calling, Lord, do something about this. So he's praying whilst he's fighting. He spoke to the Lord. He's, he's talking to the Lord. And the Bible does not tell us exactly what he was praying about. But if I read it within the context that it is happening, I would suppose that Joshua is saying, Lord, I need time. I need time. I, you, you need to give me more time. You can't bring me through the night to this place and not give me time. I need time, Lord. I need time, Lord. Give me time, Lord. So he's praying and praying and asking God for opportunity to finish his assignment. All right. So that's the first thing Joshua is saying, is doing. But there's another phrase there that is a very unusual phrase in the same verse 12. And he says, and he said in the sight of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel. This is not the same thing as the first statement where he spoke to the Lord. But this statement said, he said in the sight of Israel. I researched my entire Bible. And this is the only place in my Bible, probably in yours too, <laughs> that I find this phrase occurring in the Bible. And he said in the sight of. Because you don't say in the sight of. You say in the hearing of. You don't say for people to see. You say for people to hear. So Joshua, the passage says, he said in the sight of Israel. So I first time I read it, I said, that's quite an unusual statement. Maybe it's a normal thing that happens. People spoke in the presence of other people and so on, but this phrase as it is constructed, both in the Hebrew and in English, occurs only once in this statement. He spoke in the sight of Israel. Uh, in my own system of reasoning if something happens only once it must be very important it must be unusual 
So what was Joshua doing? Joshua said something and the people saw something. Because he said something and the people saw something. He said in the sight of Israel. That means that it was a statement that was accompanied by an action. So he didn't just give a command, but he did something that represented the statement he was making to Israel. My own view, and when I'm, 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 I am saying my own view, I'm not saying that ill-advisedly. Although it's my own view, it is a very well-considered view. Like Paul would say, this is my view, but I have the mind of Christ. So this is not a casual view. It's not like I, I slept and woke up and said, this is my view. But I would say my own view because there is no clear black and white scriptural statement on it. But based on my own study and analysis, I can come to a firm conclusion that this is probably what happened. So this is my view. I believe Joshua prayed and asked God for permission to do something that has never been done before in order to have time to finish his assignment. And, and so he's talking to God and saying, you need to give me time. And, and, and I think you need to stop the day from ending. You, you, you can't let the day end. So God gave him the permission. So he says, now you have my permission to do the unthinkable. So Joshua then comes from prayer and he starts speaking and everybody's watching him speaking. And he's speaking to the sun and the moon. Now I want you to watch this carefully. If you read your Bible carefully, and I alluded to it yesterday, from verse 1 of, Jed, of, Judge, of Joshua chapter 10, if you read the script of your Bible, it's a narrative script. But if you look through your Bible, you find when he comes to this statement, it's no longer narrative, it's poetic. It is rendered differently in the Bible. That means that the Bible is taking poetic liberty to describe an action. So what did Joshua do? He says to the sun, stand still. And the moon over Gibeon and the moon in the valley of Ajalon. Both are to stand still. So at the time Joshua is speaking to the sun and the moon, both the sun and the moon are present in the sky. Because he cannot command them when they are not visually seen. So many historians believe that it was a full moon at that time. And normally when it's a full moon, you can see both the sun and the moon in the sky at the same time. So Joshua and Israel saw the sun and the moon at the same time. 
And he said, both should stop. It's not just the sun stopping, but the moon should stop. And so the Bible says that the sun stopped and the moon stopped. So what really happened? Did the earth stop rotating? Because we know from general physics that the sun and the moon, the sun rising, sun setting, is based on the earth's rotation. So if we say the sun has stopped, it means the earth stopped rotating. I don't believe the earth stopped rotating. Because the consequences of it will be quite severe on everybody. So something happened. The earth is still rotating. But I believe this is what happened. God extended the intensity of the sun. And its refraction on the moon. So that at a certain point, the moon's light was similar to the light of the sun. So when it was supposed to be dark and the moon's light was shining, it wasn't the normal light of the moon. It was the light of the moon with the intensity of the sun. So what was happening in the day was prolonged into the evening. And, and the Bible says it happened for about one day. That means throughout the night, moonlight was like sunlight. And so the moonlight reflected the sunlight and the night became day for the children of Israel. So that what they accomplished in the daytime of day one, they accomplished also in the nighttime. Because there are moments in our lives when God brings you suddenly to a place, but time is against you. And time is not on your side. Because, you know, sometimes you pray and pray and pray and you get a breakthrough and then some sickness wants to mess up with your life. But God says, when I bring you suddenly to a place of breakthrough, he is able to cause an extension of time so that what you could do in daylight, you could also do in the nighttime. So the light of the sun is extended into the night. And the children of Israel now have time and opportunity to totally consummate everything that God told them to do. I came to announce to somebody, God, who brought you to where you are, will not make time work against you. If God brought you this place, time will favor you. You cannot walk through the night and come into your breakthrough and find there is no time. You have opportunity, but you don't have time. It's the most painful thing to happen to any human being. When you have opportunity, but have no time. Sometimes it could be age is against you. It's almost like you, you, you had your breakthrough at 65. Retirement age. 
and you just say, I wish this had happened when I was 40 years. If you are in that state, you better be like Joshua. You have to talk to the Lord and you have to talk to nature because God is about to let nature conform to his purposes for your assignment. And if he has to extend the sun's power, it will hit the moon and the moon will give you light so you can accomplish your purposes. Somebody say, I have time. Say, I have time. And I have opportunity. Joshua started in the night, fought in the day, and finished in the night. But for all of that is the work of a man and the act of God. The work of man, Joshua praying to the Lord. The act of God changing the natural course of time and history. God is the owner of nature. He's the uncreated one who created all things. He sustains all things by his word and by his power. And the forces of nature can be held at bay until God executes his purpose for your life. That means that the, a person may start old but still finish his mission. Moses started at 80. That's very old. You don't start ministry at 80. If anybody came to you, pastor, and said, God has called me, and you look at him, how old are you, sir? I'm 80 years old. The Lord just called me. I mean, that's, I don't know about you, but I'll say, sir, I, I, I trust your heart is right. I know you love the Lord. I know you have intensity. But, you know, just get some young people and mentor them and lay hands on them and pray for them. How are you going to stand an 80-year-old man in ministry? But that's Moses. But God had to cause the daylight to extend into his night time. The daylight extended into his night time. So at the time when he should be sleeping, he was awake because the sun was still standing in Gibeon and the moon is waiting in Aijalon. One in the west, Gibeon is in the west, Aijalon is in the east, and in that axis, God allowed light to fall upon Israel so they could finish the assignment. It happened to Moses, it will happen to you too. It will happen to you. Time will not fight you. Time will not stop you. Time will not delay. And the opportunity you have will also be blended with time that God will give to you. You know, at the beginning of the, 20, the, the millennium, the year 2000, you know, I, I just get surprised sometimes to find people who were born 
in the twenties. Has people? I said nineteen something. They said nineteen what? When were you born? Oh, two thousand and one. So what? People were still born at that time. But you remember when we were talking about Y2K, the Y2K bug and uh, Millennium bug and, and all of that, what was going to happen, 2,000 computers were going to shut down and all of that. And everybody was predicting what was going to happen in the year 2000. And I remember reading an article. And it was one of these intellectual articles about development, world development. And it said that Cumulatively, Africa was 250 years behind the United States developmentally. You know, it's one of those things you read and you don't know whether to attack the writer, <laughs> get angry, think, cry, pray, you know. So they gave all the analysis as to why developmentally we're 250 years behind. That, that calculates into the uh, fact that, that although we're entering the year 2000, we were in 1750. In terms of development. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. We were behind one or the other, but I don't think 250. But that's what it said. Now, when you read such things, and you're an African, you wonder, can we ever catch up? And then you look at your leaders, and you ask yourself, have they read the article? <laughs> Did they get the memo? that we are 250 years behind, so we better hurry up. It's been 22 years since I read that, probably. I don't know whether it's now 250 or now it's gone further. But I also believe God, that if God can extend time, he can also shrink time. So what has to be done in 250 years can be done in 25 years. And so when I pray, I pray like Joshua. I don't say, Lord, extend the time. I say, Lord, shrink the time. Because I don't want my grandchildren to come and live in this Africa. I don't want my great-grandchildren to also talk about an Africa that is behind. It has to happen in my lifetime. That God will shrink time. That means he is going to raise up Joshua's who are going to fight new kinds of battles. And in their battle strategy, 
What was supposed to take 10 years will take one year. What was supposed to take 50 years will take five years. What was supposed to take 100 years takes 10 years. And all of a sudden, it's done. I read another article from the Newsweek magazine in 1988. And it was talking about at that time, we're going to the 1990s, you know, people are trying to figure out the last decade of the 1990s and so on, what's going to happen. And this music article, they were looking at world events. And, and at that time, if you were active at that time and old enough, <laughs> you know that the biggest global issue was the Cold War at that time, the Cold War between the East and the West. And the sign of the Cold War was the Berlin Wall that divided East and West Germany uh, from each other. Soviet Union was the superpower with the United States. And in that article, they said, the Berlin Wall will never come down. All the analysts said, even if it's going to ever come down, it's going to take another 40 years. It will not happen in our lifetime. It will not happen. 1988. December 1988. 1989. The wall came down. What was considered impossible happened in one year. If the wall of Berlin could come down in one year, when every prognosis says it should take another 40 years, I believe the God I serve, that in the next 25 years, Africa is going to shoot from the third world to the first world. I believe that we're going to see massive economies, massive economies emerging out of our continent. I believe so with all my heart. I have studied world history. I have seen how 30 years ago China was a laughing stock. And now nobody's laughing when China speaks. When I was a kid, made in Hong Kong was the sign of cheap inferior. Now who talks about made in Hong Kong? as cheap and inferior. When I was growing up as a teenager, the Arab world was the most pitied world in our globe. Look what is happening. We saw Qatar and we saw the World Cup. And you think every continent will be visited, but ours will be left behind. The wheels of time are turning. And I believe there is a Joshua generation that God is raising. And that Joshua generation are going to speak to the elements and God will shrink time. And he will shrink time for a new generation to possess and finish the assignment. I am fully committed to the African project, to African development, to African emancipation, to African upliftment. And I believe in spite of our foolishness and stupidity, God will raise up a wise leadership. A wise leadership. 
and wise leadership. And time will shrink. And some of you sitting here today, God is going to put his hand upon you. God is going to put his finger upon you. You are about to enter into massive wealth, massive influence, massive political influence. Because God is looking for a generation that will shrink the time and make what has taken our fathers hundreds of years to fail. In our day, it will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. When Joshua set out from Gilgal, he had no idea that he could stop daylight from ending. If he asked Joshua, Mr. Joshua, do you by any chance think that you can stop daylight from ending? Joshua would say, who am I? I have no power. It's never happened before. Nobody has ever done it before. But he stepped into a zone and he had what I call spiritual audacity to demand from God something he never thought he would ever demand. And I believe that God has brought us to such a time in our life. I came this morning with only a word of encouragement to you and a prophetic word about our continent and where we are going. Time is about to shift in our favor. We are getting to a zone. Time will shift in our favor. And it's going to come at a time when we're going to have leaders and God will give them the time to do what they have to do. To accomplish what they have to accomplish. And we cannot predict whom God is going to use. We can predict. Sometimes in the most unlikely places, God raises leaders. Sometimes out of nowhere, God raises leaders. Sometimes when we don't expect it, somebody just emerges. But I believe with all my heart, it's going to done, be done and I pray for this country, Nigeria, that it will be done here. Yeah. It will be done. Yeah. And it will be done in Ghana. Yeah. And it will be done in South Africa. Yeah. Because somehow, for some reason, looks like we have specialized in messing things up. Just, just, it's, I won't call it an anointing, it's just, uh, and it's not a grace, it's just, it's just a thing. I mean, you look at South Africa, diminishing returns in leadership from Mandela to Mbeki to Zuma to this one, and then another one is coming. I mean, and, and you wonder, what is, what, what makes us so disruptive negatively and then you look at Nigeria and you just go from bad to worse and when you think oh it will never get worse then it get worse 
mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And, and it's very easy to look at all of that and just say, listen, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not even in my lifetime. If I believe it will not happen, I will stop preaching it. But I believe it's, we are closer than ever before. I said we are closer than ever before. We are closer than ever before. And a Joshua will emerge. And nature and time and opportunity will confluence in our destiny. And what was supposed to take eternity will happen in the twinkling of an eye. And for you, for each one of us, I believe God is speaking to each one of us in, in very unique ways. And he's going to give you time if you need it. And he's going to shrink time if you need it. But time will not be a factor against you. Time will be an asset to you. And I pray to the same God that Joshua prayed to. That in your time, in your day, in your moment of visitation, everything in time, everything in nature, every law of life, every law of physics, every system of government will favor you. It will favor you. You will not miss it. I said, you will not miss it. You will not miss it. And you will achieve in one day and one night the fulfillment of a 600-year-old prophecy. That's what happened to Joshua. A 600-year-old prophecy first given to Abraham about the promised land was fulfilled in one day. With Joshua, with Jericho, it was one city. Ai, one city. But with this battle, he took over the promised land. The vast amount of the promised land because God had to fulfill what he said to Abraham. He said, your descendants will return to this land and they shall inherit it. And after 600 years, 600 years of failures, of slavery, of toiling, of going back and forth, and 40 years in the wilderness, not knowing where to turn, in a 24-hour period, from dawn of one morning to the midnight of that same day, 24-hour period, God fulfilled a 600-year prophecy. And the land he promised to Abraham was now firmly in the land of Abraham's descendants. 
and the sun had to cooperate. The moon had to cooperate. Hailstones had to cooperate. Everything had to work for that day because prophecy is changing hands. When we come to such a prophetic moment, everything works in our favor. Everything. Global economics, downturns, upturns, recession, whatever it is that has to happen to position Africa will happen. And it will happen in a short time. And may you be one of those people in Joshua's army who goes out to possess your inheritance. And for those of us, pastor, those of us that God has called, we must discern this time and discern the roles of our people. God brings us people. Some of them will end up in ministry, serving in ministry. But some of them are going to go to other spaces in governance and in industry. Captains of industry, leading our nation, leading our continent, bringing about the transformation. And they are sitting in church right now listening to us right now, receiving the prophetic word right now, and may the Lord enable you in your time that you fulfill your assignment. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We live in a moment pregnant with destiny. We sense it in our hearts. Our spirits recognize it. Our minds sense it. And we know, Lord, this is the African hour. This is the hour of the black people. This is the Nigerian hour. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. The cry will be over. The pain will be over. The bondage will be over. The wastage will be over. So Lord, we make ourselves available. And we speak to this year, 2023, to favor your purposes for your children. To be a year of fulfillment of prophecy. What you spoke through the fathers 50 years ago, 60 years ago. What the fathers saw and the mothers saw and prophesied about. It will happen this year. Let this be the beginning of that transformation. That was prophesied about. And let it spark a transformation all over our continent. Grant wisdom to your children that like the sons of Issachar, they would know what ought to be done in this season. Grant us wisdom and understanding, clarity of thought, urgency of spirit in the name of Jesus Inkosikelele Africa Lord bless Africa bless Africa bless Africa bless her people 
from the north to the south to the east and the west from South Africa to Eswatini to Lesotho to Botswana to Namibia to Zimbabwe to Mozambique to Zambia bless your people Lord to Rwanda and Burundi bless your people to Central Africa to Angola bless your people Lord Oh, Lord, bless your people from Uganda to Tanzania. Bless your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus to Congo, DRC, Congo, Kinshasa. Bless your people, Lord. To Kenya, Lord. Bless your people to, oh, Lord, to Somalia, to Ethiopia. Bless your people in the name of Jesus to Equatorial Guinea. Bless your people. Bless your people in Chad, in Sudan, in South Sudan, in Niger. Bless your people in Eritrea and Djibouti. Bless your people, oh God. Bless our land. Bless its people. Redeem us, oh Lord. In Gabon, bless your people, Lord. In Cameroon, bless your people. In Nigeria, bless your people, Lord. In Benin, bless your people. In Togo, in Ghana, in Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. Oh Lord, in Liberia, in Sierra Leone, in Guinea-Bissau, in Guinea. Oh Lord, in, in Senegal, in Gambia. Bless your people in Mauritania, in, in Morocco. Bless your people, Lord. In the Cape Verde Islands. Bless us, Lord. Bless us, Lord. In Tunisia, in Algeria, in Libya. Bless your people. In Egypt, Lord. Raise up our continent. Bless the land and its people. In Madagascar, in Seychelles, in Reunion. In Saltome and Principe, in all our islands, in all our nations, in Mauritius, raise up, Lord, the sleeping continent. Let us be awake. Let us be awake, Lord. 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 In the name of Jesus, God bless Africa. Bless her people. Bless her mothers and the fathers and the children. Bless our water. Bless our land. Bless our going in and our coming out. Bless our prayer. Hear the cry of our people. Hear the cry of your church. And let this be the beginning of our redemption. So this morning we take a stand. That the sun will stand still in Gibeon. And the moon in Ajalon. The sun will stand, says still, in Senegal, the moon in Somalia, that you will give us our daylight, daylight on this continent, 
until we have become the people of your image with honor and dignity in Jesus name amen and amen may the Lord bless us and may the Lord lift us up to the place he has called us to in Jesus name